Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we're feeling it. If this is your first time joining us. Welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Welcome. So glad to have you guys with us tonight um, on this episode of Feeling It. We're going to do what we do every week, which talk about something that we have been feeling throughout the week. We're also going to talk about a little bit of film news with the Oscar nominations that have just come out, as well as our featured review of the new Martin Scorsese film, Silence. Uh, so let's kick things off by introducing ourselves um, and this week, whenever you introduce yourself, let us know one time in your life when you really enjoy absolute silence. Sandra. I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee, and I never enjoy silence. I am one of those people that likes to fill every moment with sound or talking. I'm Lucas Wright, a designer from the Bay Area, and the most recent time that I wanted to wanted absolute silence was during the inauguration. Yeah, preach. Uh, I'm Lawson Soward. I'm an art director from Nashville, Tennessee. And the main time that I want silence is whenever I'm in a movie. I want the people around me to be completely quiet. Um, actually, when I went and got, saw silence, the guy behind me started talking, and the sound quality in the theater was really low. So I shushed that and nipped it right in the bud. <laughs> Had a much better viewing experience. Uh, so, yeah, in the movies, man. Well, when I went and saw sure. silence, the guy next to me was snoring. So there's that. Oh, no good. All right, so let's start off with uh, what we're feeling this week. Sandra, what were you feeling? This week, I'm feeling a sketch from this weekend's episode of Saturday Night Live. Um, I felt a little bit apprehensive about enjoying Saturday Saturday Night Live lately um, between Donald Trump hosting and Casey Affleck hosting and their recent suspension of their writer, Katie Rich, over a tweet that I don't feel like she should have been suspended for. Um, I've had a hard time, like, really calling myself a fan. And at the same time, I think they make some amazing sketch comedy. I think their fame and their budget allows them to really mock and critique power structures in a way that no one else can. And I often appreciate that. And plus, it has tons of talent that I really adore. Um, and so there's a sketch from this weekend's episode that has three of my favorite things right now. It has musical numbers, Kate McKinnon, and mocking the Trump administration. And in, in this sketch, they have Kate McKinnon portraying Kellyanne Conway, and they do a musical number from Chicago. I guess if I'm being completely honest, Jake, I did also think. The name on everybody's lips is Gallon Bay, Conway. The lady raking in the chips is gonna be Conway. I'm gonna be a celebrity. That means somebody everyone knows. They're gonna recognize my eyes, my hair, my teeth, my boobs, my nose. I feel like this does such a great job of hitting the Trump administration and particularly Kellyanne Conway right where it hurts. They're desperate desperate need for fame and um i i've watched this so many times this week it makes me giggle um the 
production quality is incredible, and it's something that only SNL could probably pull off. So uh, it's something that I've been really, really enjoying this week. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Sandra. The thing that was so incredible about this sketch beyond uh, just the incredible production value uh, was how incisive it was. Like, it hit on the thing that is at the core of these people. Like, why is Kellyanne Conway coming on and lying? Like, you can tell that this woman knows she is lying over and over. And this sketch really cuts right to the core of their desperation to be known and to be famous and to uh, be on TV, whether it means selling their soul or not. It's, It's really gross and scary and stuff. It's truly genius, especially right before... She comes out and says, what is the uh, alternative alternative facts? facts. Yeah, (laughs) played right into that. (laughs) Yeah, It it aired the night before she said that in the next morning. So, yeah, the timing was perfect. Uh, Man, yeah, it's it's like almost impossible to do that in this administration because there are just like so many lies and scandals and stories every hour. Like the fact that they were able to hit right before another thing came on uh, is impressive. Impossible to have predicted, <laughs> but well done. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Uh, we'll post a link to that on the Twitter. It is definitely worth watching if you guys haven't seen it before. Thank you so much, Sandra. Um, I'm going to share Save Lucas for last. Uh, mine this week was a series of short films uh, that has to do with MailChimp. Uh, I think you guys... Y'all all listen to Serial, right? The first season. Yes. Yeah, first season. Oh, second yeah. season was so good. You should have checked it out. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> if you are listening to this podcast, you've probably listened to the Serial podcast. Um, its production value is almost as good as ours. Uh, it was uh, really famous for a lot of reasons, but one of the things that got really famous about it was uh, the MailChimp ad at the beginning of it, where they go around the street asking people to read the promo, and it sounds like some people are speaking English as... Uh, a language that isn't their first language. Some people are just learning how to read, all that kind of thing. And so people mispronounce MailChimp whenever they're doing it. Support for Serial comes from MailChimp. From MailChimp. Mail. Came. So uh, MailChimp's advertising uh, agency of record recently shifted. And the first thing that they have come out with since getting MailChimp as a client is a series of short films, which are so surreal and strange and beautiful and zany i can't stop watching them over and over uh they're the kind of art that kind of exists only for art's sake uh which is strange to me because it's supposed to be an advertisement like it definitely starts a conversation and gets people talking and thinking but uh it doesn't feel like a mailchimp ad it just feels kind of like a uh surrealist wes anderson-y short off kilter film so uh the film that is my favorite is one called male shrimp um they're all based off of ways that you can mispronounce mailchimp so male shrimp was the first one there's also one called kale limp and one called jail blimp um and the production value on them is insane and they're just incredible i recommend you go watch it uh I want to play a short clip of the audio just to kind of give you a taste of it. That's another thing is they, beyond just having this idea, sitting around in a room and having this idea and it somehow not getting shot down in the room 
and then getting it sold to the client. They then wrote a song, went, record, and produced that song, and put it into this ad uh, in addition to all the other work that they had to do. So this song is incredible and strange and delightful, and if you like this quirky thing, you will love the other two. How can I be who I meant to be? Become my dream, follow my destiny. I'm more than a sandwich made of shrimp. I believe in myself. I'm not afraid. I'm not a whim. You guys watch this. Uh, what were your impressions of male shrimp? I mean, I didn't really know what I was watching. Um, it's very <laughs> short. And it, it, when I watched it for the first time, it seemed like it was supposed to be a joke or like it was supposed to be making me laugh, <laughs> but I didn't. So I was mostly just kind of confused about what the purpose of it was um, or the intent. Um, yeah, yeah, I didn't know it was for MailChimp at exactly. all. Exactly. Um, I just kind of watched it by itself as a clip on YouTube and just kind of watched it was like, okay, well, that was something I watched. <laughs> that was something different. So. I really hope I, when I sent that to you guys, you weren't like, okay, so Lawson thinks this is funny. Should I be concerned? So just to be clear, you, you don't think it's funny. I think it's intriguing and captivating. I don't think it's funny. Okay, like, good. I didn't, yeah, I didn't laugh at it. I was just like, I had a dopey smile on my face. Like, I can't believe this really exists in real life that somebody imagined this and somehow it got from the back of their brain onto the screen that I'm watching. But no part of me was like, this is a joke and people who don't get it are out of the loop. I guess, I guess in my mind, it doesn't work as an advertisement because it doesn't in any way connect with MailChimp. Like I'm sure, like I'm sure somewhere on their web, like the, the YouTube video does not link to MailChimp. It links to MailShrimp.com, which I went there and it didn't look like it was linked to MailChimp just at, an, at a cursory glance, but I'm okay. sure it's there somewhere. So now that I've done some clicking around, like, <laughs> um, you've done the real work, Sandra. I know. <laughs> you know, the, the, the bottom of that page, it does like pop up with a thing that's like, did you mean, and it will have like another phrase that kind of sounds like MailChimp and that'll take you to a different website. And I'm, you could do that over and over and it will take you to all sorts of different websites. So one of them is mailcrimp.com. Um, and it's mail crimp mail M A L E like as in not female, but male (laughs) and male crimp. And it's just photos of like men with crimped hair. And if you scroll all the way down to the bottom of that, it says it again. It says, did you mean whale synth? And you click on that, and it takes you to whalesynth.com, and it's just like <laughs> whale noises, and so on and so forth. It's, every time you scroll to the bottom of the web page, it takes you to a new variation. And I guess it, it's playing on this idea of, like, Easter eggs, you know? Of, like, mm-hmm. people's, like, joy at finding Easter eggs in film or franchises. Um, of, like, hidden meta messages. And... That's something that has just never really, like, meant a lot to me. Um, <laughs> I, I I can see why it can be fun for other people. But to me, it's just kind of like a lot of work for not a lot of reward. <laughs> and, so, yeah. and so I think that this is, like, interesting in that it's playing off of, like, 
that hunt that a lot of people enjoy doing on the internet, mm-hmm. but not that's not a hunt that has ever been my. <laughs> but style. eventually, you get it's, to Mailchimp, right? Yeah, yes. but it's not like you get to the end and you're like, you found the end of the hole, so now you get a year of free Mailchimp premium or no, something. It's, it's just, just like, like fun, random weird. things that are connected to each other. Yeah, it's one of those things to me where you know you see uh, in museums now or in art prints and all these things, uh, like old event posters or old product posters um from france and places like that are now considered art and they're you know beautifully hand-painted signs and uh they just at at this point in time whatever product they were selling is long gone but the art that was created to house it remains and is still thought-provoking and interesting and that's what i think this kind of a thing is it's kind of like they really sold their client on making an artistic vision that they had more than they maybe did them justice on getting conversions so well to um, be fair we've said mailchimp on this podcast more than we ever have before that's true that's true (laughs) (laughs) they did it they started the conversation um but Speaking of uh, taking conversations about commerce and changing them into art. See, transitions are hard, man. <laughs> yeah, you speaking of. Like, I just criticize <laughs> you for speaking of all the time. And now, but yeah, no, talking about art. Um, Lucas, your pick is so artful and beautiful. This week, I am feeling a pearl. This week. Um, a now Academy Award nominated uh, animated short film. Well deserved. Um, by, the, by the same guy who did... Um, the short film Feast, which premiered before uh, Big Hero 6. You guys saw that one, right? I did. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Feast kind of follows the the story of a man's relationship through the eyes of his dog um, and the dog's relationship to food. Um, and Pearl uh, examines the relationship between a father and daughter through the eyes of uh, his car. Uh, and it's, so it's a really neat way of kind of seeing these people's lives. Uh, but what's really interesting about this short film is that it is 360, it's 360 degrees. And so you can watch it through a VR headset, or I watched it on YouTube on my phone in a swivel chair, which is like the, the janky way to do that. Um, and you can also just watch it in a browser, which just shows you the whole thing. Um, so you don't miss anything. So you guys watch this, right? I did, yeah, if yes. You watch it, if you watch it in Safari, you get to see the whole thing because you can't move left and right. But if you watch it in Chrome, you can actually look, drag the video and look around. Mm-hmm. And I watched it in a headset. So I kind of like had it on my head and like turned my head around to see all around me what was happening. Uh, yeah. I feel like that would add so much to watching this. For sure. For sure. Um, It's a really interesting story on its own. Um, I think even if this was just a normal short film, it would be phenomenal. But having it be in 3D, you get to focus on different areas than you normally do. I'm I'm of the opinion that that's worse for (laughs) directors. Um, I like the fact that directors get to focus your attention on exactly what they want um, to tell their story. But... I, I do think there are interesting things you can do with this medium um, that you can play around with that, that that weren't capable before. So it's neat. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah it's oh. so beautiful and moving. Yeah, and is Lucas, is this the first film, do you know, that's um, 
like in 360 degrees it's been nominated for an oscar i'm like 95 percent sure this it is so this we're we're pioneering here this is it really (laughs) exciting i could totally see a future in which there is a 360 degree category at the oscars um, see, I don't, I don't know about that, but <laughs> <laughs> I can like, see more, more like on the short films and stuff like that. I can see a lot more of those kind of happening, uh, but I do not see a feature. Yeah, a feature I don't know if I can 3D. handle a full feature length film in in VR, but yeah. um, short films I think are the perfect medium to explore with this. And I think just how we have like a best short film or a best animated or a best animated short, I could see best three hundred sixty being. A medium that like people are wanting to really, really like explore and find the best of. Yeah, yeah. I could see there being some kind of like three sixty or whatever comes next, like some experiential film category of some mm-hmm. kind. Yeah, beyond um, just like a two D flat screen. Right. Yep. Yeah. I don't know if three sixty is going to be it, but it, if it's not the gateway, I think it could definitely be included in it. But it's a it's a great medium. I've seen music videos in it. Um, Run the Jewels did a music video. Childish Gambino's newest videos from a live set he did. Oh yeah, and it's that's really right. cool. Um, so I, yeah, I, I want to shout out that like while you can definitely watch this in brow- browsers or on YouTube, like on your phone, if you have a headset and you have an iPhone, um, you can download the Google Stories app to watch this film. That's how I watched it, um, and it has several other you know VR short films. Um, as well included in that app and so that's a great place to to start out yeah and it's so moving um if you're if you're trying to decide between a uh surreal short film about a shrimp sandwich or this oscar nominated short uh i would recommend you watch that one first um followed up with the shrimp followed up with the shrimp wrap it all up with some snl sketches and then you're good to go there I think you that's go. the correct order. I think like, <laughs> that's the official feeling at recommended order. Definitely. <laughs> the playlist. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lucas. Um, with that, uh, it's a perfect segue talking about Oscar stuff um, to talk about the Oscar nominations that just came out. So, yes. uh, you, you want to just go ahead and start off by talking about best animated short? Yes. So while, while we're on the subject, <laughs> yeah. um, so best animated short. Um, so we, we have Pearl, uh, which we just talked about. We have Piper, which is, um, the short film that played before finding Dory this year. Uh, and we have borrowed time, which is the other film, the other animated short that I talked about, um, yeah, Lucas a couple is months ago on the podcast. With animated short recommendations. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> My ratio um, of knowledge of these films is up. Like, when you go from zero to any amount, I don't know what that is as a yeah. percentage. But <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So there are two other uh, films on this list that I haven't seen: Pear Cider and Cigarettes, and Blind Basha. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but um, so but the other three are disney employees who kind of did their own thing well piper is made by pixar um but pearl and borrowed time are disney and pixar employees who kind of went and did their own uh thing which i think is really cool and just seeing the talent that is uh hanging out at disney and this is just their spare time projects are getting nominated for academy awards which is awesome yeah that's really cool i agree so, what uh what's what surprises do you get do you guys have from the Academy Award nominations. I think that the best actress category was the one that surprised me the most. Um, Agreed. I think 
missing Amy Adams and Annette Benning is a real, real tragedy. Um, you know, I was really expecting Best Actress to be a fight between Emma Stone and Annette Benning and Isabel Hare, <coughs> like a pretty even battle between the three of them. And for Annette Benning to not even get nominated is just really heartbreaking. I haven't seen 20th Century Women yet. I'm planning on seeing it probably tomorrow. Um, but from all that I've heard and from what I've known of her as an actress in past films, um, this performance is really, really spectacular. And so mm-hmm. I was, yeah, really heartbroken to, to not see her in this category. Yeah. yeah we've definitely. all mentioned several times how much we really wanted Amy Adams to, thought she deserved the nomination. So Absolutely. I've seen that echoed online in a bunch of different ways. So they got so, best picture nomination for Arrival, but true. I think that's mostly Amy Adams' fault. So like, <laughs> that's really confusing. So would you would you toss Meryl Streep for Amy Adams? I mean, I haven't seen Floris Foster Jenkins, and so yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, it makes sense that she gets nominated all the time because she is such an incredible actress, but I don't think she needs this nomination. You know? I mean, this is her twentieth nomination. To me, it's not even about the number of times. Um, it's just I'm sure she's great because she's Meryl Streep and she's always great. But I can't imagine that what she's doing in Florist and Florence Foster Jenkins is so revolutionary compared to some of the other things we've seen. Yeah, true. I think that's true. Fair. I think I can guess your biggest upset, Lucas. <laughs> oh, is it that obvious? <laughs> <laughs> Sing Street got nothing. Yeah, uh, such yeah. A shame. Really sad. Best original score. You I mean, know, best original song. And "Drive It Like You Stole It" is like obviously the favorite song from that movie, but it's a movie filled with great original songs. Like, yes, it's really sad. Yeah. I could name you at least four mo- four songs from that movie that are better than "Can't Stop This Feeling." And I love Justin Timberlake. Yeah. I love Justin Timberlake. No, yeah, that's and a super I would, catchy song. I would, but yeah, I would trade La La that song. Got two. Yeah. So that's the other thing. The I, I love La La Land as well, but that is these songs are not musical quality songs. I wouldn't I would <sighs> say that audition is a very like I think that that's the best song that of the should year. be nominated. It's, I think it's, it's a great amazing song. Um, like that should have been nominated for sure. But City of Stars doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't yeah. do anything for anyone. It's based so. like City of Stars is a score to me. Like it works great for different thematic moments in that movie, but the song itself isn't. Ugh. Anyway, um, drive it like you stole it. Drive it like you stole it. Everybody yeah. go watch <laughs> Sing Street and listen exactly. to Drive It Like You Stole It. Uh, ah. I was pleasantly, I will say, on a more positive note, I was pleasantly surprised to see that Hell or High Water was nominated for Best Picture. Um, mm-hmm. I. As we talked about, I freaking love that movie, but I didn't expect everyone else to love it that much. So that's awesome. I'm planning to watch it soon because of this nomination. I'd always been wanting to meaning to watch it, but now I'm like, okay, I need to get on it. Yeah. Um, I, I know we're all upset that uh, The Handmaiden didn't make it uh, yes. anywhere on this list. Right. We knew it wasn't going to make um, Best Foreign Language Film because Korea didn't nominate it. Mm. But... Submit it, yeah. Or, or yeah, didn't, didn't submit it. But... The fact that it didn't get cinematography or costumes or production design or some kind of nod anywhere, uh, I think is extremely surprising it, and sad. It's it's so frustrating because, you know, obviously, if, it, if I had my say, this film would be winning Best Director, Best Picture, like Best <laughs> so many. And I really mean that. I'm not... I, 
I don't even think I'm saying that out of bias the way I might say that about like other movies. Like I think it truly is that good. Um, but to not have it even get any recognition, especially in a category like costume design or cinematography, mm-hmm. where I think it would have easily won those categories. Um, yeah, it's it's sad. It that film needs a lot more recognition because I don't know other than film critics and people like us, no one knows about it. Um, yep. And so it could have used that like Oscar bump. Definitely. I mean, so. when Suicide Squad is nominated and Handmaiden is not, it's hard to <laughs> still be hopeful for I, future nominations. <laughs> I, I get that that's frustrating. And as someone who actually watched Suicide Squad, it's, I get it. It's, I hate that movie. I will say that it, got nominated for best makeup and the makeup in it is truly impressive. So like, even though it's like maddening that suicide squad is an Oscar nominated film, like it does kind of make sense to me. Yeah. That alligator guy was like all practical, right? Yes. And, and it's really, really impressive. So I know, but equally frustrating. (laughs) Mm. Um, so I guess the last thing that I'm, surprised by is the fact that Wiener, the uh, documentary about uh, Anthony Wiener's kind of rise and fall, um, did not make the cut. I thought that was going to be kind of a big one, maybe even the winner here, uh, but it didn't It didn't hit our best documentary feature yeah. list. It's a yeah. tough category this year. That yeah. like, is filled with like incredibly reviewed movies. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know that OJ Made in America aired at a film festival, and so it gets to be nominated, but it's it's such it, it was filmed for tv it's just frustrating because it was filmed for tv and films like 13th i think need to be such a huge part of the national conversation that i feel like best picture nominees they get seen for being nominated best documentary nominees don't as much but best documentary winners oftentimes do so the fact that a movie like oj made in america can is likely going to win because it's able to give that much more context uh, is frustrating because I would really like to see a movie like uh, 13th win. I've also heard uh, I'm Not Your Negro is very, very good. I haven't seen it, but um, I just, this is a year, I know there's a lot of important um, documentaries that come out every year, but this is a year in particular that I like really hope that people go out, seek out all of the uh, best documentary films. I think OJ Made in America might um fair worse than we're expecting here due to the fact that academy of voters would probably have to watch it um and and so if they haven't watched it already they would be looking down the barrel of eight hours of oj um and i don't know if that's something they would want to do as opposed to putting on something more digestible like the 13th which is like an hour and a half long so yeah also a big year for streaming stuff. That's a Netflix movie. Uh, Amazon yeah. Studios did Manchester by the Sea. Uh, yep. Lots of stuff like that, which is really exciting. Can I say yeah. one thing that I was like pleasantly surprised about was um, Kubo and the Two Strings getting a visual effects nomination. Um, I yeah. could be wrong about this, but I feel like animated films don't often get visual effects nominations because it's all like animated right <laughs> am i yeah, sounding dumb right. saying that um right but kubo and the strings is like a blend of cgi and like practical stop motion and the stop motion in that movie is so stunning and 
Um, so to see that get recognized is really exciting. I, I, I can just picture the montage during the awards ceremony where they show some of the effects being created and people being yeah. really like excited to see that. Oh yeah, yeah. So true. I'm really, really excited about that. Guys, the Oscars are going to be great this year. <laughs> I know. I that's, that's really exciting. You can always hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, there's, I mean, at this point, for, for those who didn't see the release, the Best Picture nominees uh, in alphabetical order are Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. So nine out of the ten possible, which is great. I love seeing a wide field like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've all seen at least a majority of those, right? Yeah, I've seen five of them. And two of them Ditto. I refuse to see. So I still need to go see, um, I see. I need to watch Hell or High Water, and I need to go see Lion probably this week. Um, but I refuse to see Manchester by the Sea and Hacksaw right. Ridge. Uh, the only one I haven't seen is Hacksaw Ridge, and I will definitely be seeing that gr- grudgingly. <laughs> yeah, I've seen uh, five of these, and uh, I, I plan on seeing Hidden Figures for sure, and I would like to see Lion and Manchester by the Sea both um i really don't have any interest in hacksaw ridge but it's you know it's nice to have a a horse in the race this time like some films that you've seen and really love and would love to see get awarded um so yeah shaping up to be a great show you guys actually excited this year yep so uh let us transition from talk of oscar nominations to the Oscar for Best Cinematography nominated film, uh, Martin Scorsese's Silence. Since Silence just doesn't have a soundtrack, I'm going to use Drive It Like You Stole It. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. latest movie by martin scorsese uh has been in talks since 1990 he has been working on this for a really really long time um there's been a lot of back and forth a lot of other projects along the way uh finally came out at the very end of this year in 2016 it stars andrew garfield and adam driver along with a uh incredible cast uh of Names that might not be big Hollywood names, but who do an incredible acting job, in my opinion. Um, people, uh, Japanese actors um, throughout the film. It has gotten some interesting critical reception, so I'm really excited to talk to you guys about what you thought. Uh, Lucas, what did you think of this movie? So I, I, I did like this movie. I, re- I really did. Um, I definitely don't think it's Scorsese's best work. I'm also not a huge fan of Martin Scorsese, so that might also play into it. Um, this is a movie, I think, a lot about him just exploring his exploring faith and culture. Um, and I think I think the cinematography of this movie is fantastic. I think it's beautifully shot, beautifully edited. Um, this has a very limited, it doesn't have a score. Um, there's very limited instrumentation, um, done throughout this movie. Um, a couple drums, things like that. Um, but it's a lot of it is relying on, on the silence of the film and just the, um, just the, the sounds of nature and the sounds of 
speaking that you hear, um, which I th- I thought was incredible. I thought that was a really interesting way of kind of portraying uh, this environment. But I thought the the acting was great. You have uh, Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver as our two kind of main protagonists, um, and then you also have you have Liam Neeson and a great great Japanese cast um, that is fantastic in this movie. And I, th- I thought all the acting was incredible. I thought the character work was great. What I, I think what I didn't like about this movie um, was, I guess, how it dealt with uh, kind of the, the, the struggle of the silence of God and the religious aspect of it. I don't think it did a good enough job of explaining kind of what what it wanted to I, I feel like you can make a film like this and leave it very open-ended and just to say kind of like hey i'm exploring these you know these these two sides the you know the the the, the missionaries spreading the gospel and the japanese um kind of not wanting this invasion of their culture um and you can kind of leave it open-ended for up to the viewer to decide who's right who's wrong that kind of thing um and or you can really dive in deep and 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 pick who you're going to um, have as the as the kind of central character, the main the main protagonist. Um, and I don't feel like he did a good job of of doing either of that. I f- I, f- I feel like there's a lot of uh, it's a little bit messy when it comes to that that section. How'd you guys feel, Sandra? So okay, back in November, I think I tweeted out a headline about Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver starring in this movie together. And I was really excited about it. And I had kind of said something like my two emo boyfriends are going to be in the same movie this year. I'm ready to get wrecked. And now that I've seen silence, I can safely say I was not ready to get wrecked this movie. (laughs) I just wasn't ready for it. I didn't know what I was really going into. I thought I did, but I didn't. Um, it was really upsetting to watch, very hard to watch. Um, I left the theater very confused about how I felt about these characters and the story. I was confused about what the director or the movie was trying to tell me um, or trying to make me feel. I um, love a lot of things about this movie. Or I should say there are a lot of things about this movie that are really well done. You know. It has amazing performances. Some of the shots are stunning. Um, Andrew Garfield is probably one of the best actors of our generation. And this movie, I think, proves that. Um, There are, like, really heart-wrenching emotional scenes that um, I've, I've never seen anything like it. But I can't say whether or not this is a good movie or not. It's very long. Um, I think... There isn't a clear thesis, at least that I was able to get from it. And I don't think every movie has to have like a set in stone, clear message. But this one really throws you into some intense emotional depths and doesn't seem to give you a rope to pull yourself back out from them. Um, And so I, I left this film just feeling a lot of despair and um, I wasn't prepared for that going into it. Yeah. I, uh, RogerEbert.com wrote a really amazing review of this and a, a line from it that I really resonated with was, um, they said, quote, this is not the sort of film you like or don't like. It's a film that you experience and then live with, end quote. And 
I found that to be so true. Um, I, I'll say, Sandra, Lucas, I think I disagree with some of the stuff that, that you said. I think I may, based on what you guys have said, I may have been uh, the person who liked it the most out of the three of us. Um, but it feels weird to say that I liked it the most. It was kind of like when you were thrown into those emotional depths without a rope. Um, in my personal experience, because this movie is so talks so deeply about uh, faith and struggle with faith and all these different things, I, I have felt this kind of feeling of a faith struggle being uh, the experience of thrown into emotional depths without a rope. And so I was like, wow, this is really like doing a thing a movie hasn't done before um, for, for me watching it. Uh, but it was uh, thematically and the, the script, the, the, the plot in this movie is just, it's really hard to know what to do with it. Uh, I think the movie really lends itself to being interpreted, which I really like. I like that people can have a different take on it. It's hard to say, hard to recommend this to someone because they will, you know, like you would love it or like you'll really enjoy it. Like I want people to see it because I want to have more conversations about it, but I don't know if I can recommend it to people because I, and tell them honestly that I think they would like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, lesson, like we always in each episode say like, should people go see this movie? And I have a hard time telling people they shouldn't go see this movie, but I don't know who I would tell to go see it. Like, I don't know a single person <laughs> I would recommend this movie to. I would recommend this movie to you if you have, uh, since the main character is a Jesuit priest, if you have a faith uh, that falls in the Christian tradition and you have a complicated relationship with that faith, I would really recommend this movie. Uh, it's not going to give you more answers. It's just going to ask you more questions. But I have a feeling that, like me, you might find some solidarity uh, in knowing that somebody like Martin Scorsese also has a lot of really intense questions about his faith. And even when he makes an incredible movie and stunning, beautiful movie about it, isn't that interested in giving you <laughs> answers because he doesn't... The impression I got was he doesn't feel like he has the answers either. So um, I think you can get solidarity out of it, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's really, really intense the whole I time. Think, I think... I think for me, it's not necessarily that he doesn't have answers. I think he tries to easily clean up a movie that mm. should be left more wide open. Interesting. Um, that's, yeah. But again, we'll get to that in spoilers. Yeah, that'll be a, a good conversation for spoilers. <laughs> yep. um, so before we jump into spoilers, uh, Sandra, I think you summed it up well. It's hard to know whether to recommend someone sees this or doesn't see it. Um, I I go, would go like ahead. to prepare anyone who is interested in seeing this. Um, I think when I watched the trailer for this, I don't think it does a good job of preparing you for how like violent it is. Um, even though like I think I should have known better based on like the description of the film, I wasn't prepared for how t and violent and in, uh, intense some of the scenes were going to be. So I think you should be ready for that before you go in to see this movie. It's not extremely gory, but it is violent. I would disagree with that, but <laughs> um, I was pretty upset by a lot of this movie. It depends on whether or not you consider... Well, I guess it's kind of spoilery to say the stuff that happens. I yeah. was expecting, like, guts to be spilling out everywhere, and that does not happen, but very disturbing stuff happens. Um 
So is that fair to say, you guys think? Yep. I mean, yeah, no guts are spilled, but a lot of other creepy body (laughs) shit happens. So Yeah. (laughs) Very true. It's a torture Uh, movie. People get tortured. I honestly didn't realize it was a torture film. I knew it was about like persecution and but I I stay away from horror and torture films of all kind and I wasn't prepared for that going into this. Yeah, if yeah. it hadn't been for the religious element of this, I don't know I if I would have found meaning in all of that. Like it would have been felt like gratuitous or sadistic or something. But um to me it felt like the ends of the movie you could only get to the kind of place he was trying to live in by going through all that but it was rough to get there um, I, think, I think it's a super important part of the movie and i, I agree I, I wouldn't have him do it any other way but I, I i do think it's something to prepare people for right i i'm not even saying that it should or shouldn't have been in the film i'm just right. saying that i don't think the marketing prepares you for that and i think right. it's Fair. good for people to be prepared for the film they're about to see agreed a couple other notes that don't give anything away about this film, uh, just to, to throw in at the last. Uh, so glad I saw it in a theater. Amazing cinematography, uh, some really intentional uh, camera movements. The direction was really interesting. They did this thing several times that I very rarely see in movies where uh, the camera would follow a character, kind of like it would feel like if you're look, watching someone kind of turning your head as they walk by you and then jerk your head back to wherever they were before. Um, which gives you this feeling of uh, like really wanting to soak everything in, of feeling really grounded and feeling like you're really there as a character. Um, the camera really gives you this kind of first-person feeling in those areas without uh, pulling you out of the movie at all, which I thought was great. Um, and I think, I think because of that, because of the lack of score, um, it the camera does a lot of the emotional work for you where normally you'd rely on a score yes. to kind of build, build tension and kind of build um, anticipation and stuff like that. Uh, they, they make the camera do it, which is really amazing. Completely agree. Yeah. Cause thematically this, the complete silence of this film works perfectly. Um, yeah. I, I, I totally agree. Lucas, that's very true. Um, accents didn't distract me too much. Y'all. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit <laughs> um it 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 weirded me out a little bit at first i i kind of got used to it but it's i these people are supposed to be portuguese and yeah, i didn't adam, know that until they said portugal which is like <laughs> far into the movie yeah so i mean adam driver i one i think had a better accent i think he did he did better with his accent uh two he's interesting he's He's a white dude for sure. They both but, are. Right, right, right. But like, I feel like he's not as white a dude as Andrew Garfield. Not that either of them can no, play he Portuguese. Did, he looks but, more generically European than like straight British. Right, right. Where Andrew Garfield is just the, the, just the. I mean, he's. We'll get into this later, but he looks like Jesus in this film, <laughs> um, and so him with a Portuguese accent, I just it 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 stressed me out. Uh, but he he dropped it. It wasn't as sharp as as we got farther on into the movie. But um, I think I just got used to it throughout. Yeah, and I've also heard that like a lot of accent work has to do with how much you know about the actual actor. Like it's it will mm-hmm. seem more fake if you know it's fake. So right. if I had never seen either of these guys act before, it probably would have been like, wow, that was so good. But because I've <laughs> seen so much of their work before, mm-hmm. uh, it might seem a little bit more put on. 
But I also right. don't know why Martin Scorsese decided to, to do this. Like, I, I, I know, like, this is based on a book, which is based on a true story, and I, and in that they're Portuguese. Um, but I'm not, I'm not sure why he chose to make them Portuguese. Like, I, I 100% understand casting Adam Driver and Andrew Garfield in this movie, which I, I would have done if I had the option. Um, but I would have just said, you know, ignore the accent. It doesn't matter where you're from. Because <laughs> Portugal doesn't play a big part in this movie. I, right. I think it would have been stronger if they just used native accents. So you would have had native accents and the soundtrack from uh, Drive It Like You Stole It and The Riddle of the Model. I mean, I'm I'm just exactly. saying add Sing Street songs to anything and it automatically improves okay. it. <laughs> okay, glad we cleared that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Any other uh, final thoughts on Silence before we dive into spoilers? I would say see it. I I I think it's a very important movie to see. I think it talks a lot about interesting issues. It wasn't something that I loved. It wasn't something that I thought was great, but I think it's an important movie to see and probably have a conversation about. I would also say this is a lot as far as jumping into the spoiler section, this is almost the opposite of Arrival. Um, departure. The value of this Yeah, this is departure. Um, no, <laughs> but the value of this movie is in the journey and in the way that things unfold. And I don't think that the movie is the experience of the movie is ruined by knowing the contents of its plot. Um, I personally, I don't like spoilers ever. So if you don't like spoilers, don't listen, but uh, I'll let you guys uh, push me one way or the other on it. But I feel like if you're going to listen to one spoiler section for a movie you haven't seen yet, this might be the one to to check out. Uh, Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) Here, here's what I would say is that personally, I don't know if I gained much from watching this film other than a greater appreciation of Andrew Garfield's acting abilities. Um, mm. And so I, I'm not saying you shouldn't go see it, but if you do, if, if, if you are not planning on it, listen to our spoiler section and then kind of find out what, why we're having all these conflicting emotions um, but you should be planning on it because we just told you to to watch yeah. it. I'm but opposing. I just I just think but. the whole movie points towards this decision <laughs> throughout that it's like you know hey you know some people are trying to get him to make one decision some people are trying to get him to make the other decision and it's all about what decision is he going to make and then if they hear what decision he makes that's you know, fair that's you know. fair sure yeah that makes sense okay spoilers <laughs> yeah after all of that. Jumping into spoilers. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Now, crack and gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. All right. So, what did you guys think of the fact that Jesus, that a disembodied voice was given to God or Jesus in this movie? Man, I'm real torn on that. (laughs) When it first started happening, I was like, this is cheesy as fuck. Um, Right. And then, (laughs) like, the more it was, he was talking, I kind of was into it, and and I really don't know what I feel about that. That's my whole summary of this whole movie, is I truly can't decide what I feel about it, so. (laughs) Yeah. So, the, just... I think the whole thing about silence, I mean, that's the name of the movie, just the fact that he he's not hearing God speak to him. And then he does hear God speak to him. And it's the voice of Karen Hines, who's his, you know, the the guy who sent them on this mission that to oh, me. I that. I yeah. Either. 
yeah, so it felt like a little bit like a hallucination to me, um, as opposed to, or and like him kind of justifying his actions there. But I, I guess, to me that that whole thing, the the whole argument he's kind of going through this whole time is, if if I apostate, it's apostate, right? Apostasize. Apostasize. <laughs> Apostate. <laughs> I'm like, it's a pasta something. <laughs> it's not spaghetti. It's something. Um, <laughs> hey, I made the joke. I made a joke. Great joke. Yay. Good job, Lucas. <laughs> um, if he apostatizes without meaning it in his heart, is that okay? I think mm. is the the main question here. Yeah. Um, and I feel like by like what he what he does is. By hearing God say, it's okay, do it, that justifies it. Like, he's, he has to wait to hear from God. And it's not about the silence at that point. It's not about living in the silence um, of not hearing an actual voice right. from... And that, that, that I felt, that it, I felt it, took away from to it. Me, it was like... Since so much of this movie is about his inner dialogue with himself, you know, about him... We mm-hmm. it's so much voiceover takes place in this movie. Yeah. It would have been more powerful if in that moment we just heard more of his voice, you know, more silence, you know, because God. Right, right. Uh, this is maybe debatable, but I tend to believe that God doesn't actually speak to people. <laughs> I think people speak to themselves and imagine God, like what God would say to them. Um, but if he would have just. In, in his own voice said, maybe Jesus would say this to me, or I need Jesus yeah. to say this to me. And it's still there be the silence and let it, it be more clear that this was a like a reckoning that he did with himself and not an answer from God. Yeah. Right. I also think it's fair to say up top here that like we all have our own uh, stations in as far as like what our beliefs are Absolutely. <laughs> and like Martin Scorsese has a very interesting belief system and so a lot of this movie and it's kind of frustrating tension uh, lends itself to be like we can all get different we'll probably all got different things out of this based off of what we think and what we don't like I'll say for me whenever we got out of the movie there was this very like um I don't know the right way to say this. Uh, Green Hills grandma in there. If you're in Nashville, that will make sense. But she basically at the end, like her way of making sense of it was saying like, well, his, you could tell there at the end that his wife became a Christian. So that's why it's all worth it. And like that to me (laughs) had nothing to do with anything in the movie. And also I don't (laughs) think that you can tell that. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, So, like that was like the most obscure interpretation in the world, but like based on where you're situated in your life, like you take in this movie differently. Um, so all that to say is disclaimer, but also like for me, that moment was very powerful whenever God spoke, um, you know, whether or not uh, Martin Scorsese believes that God actually speaks to people. I thought as a, cinematic moment uh coinciding with the themes of the film it was really powerful because this uh, andrew garfield has gone around telling everyone telling all the japanese christians to apostatize 
over and over. Like, save yourself, you know, God knows your situation, God knows your heart, apostatize and save your life. Um, He says it to um, Adam Driver's character, or or at least internally, he wants Adam Driver's character to do it, to save other people. Right, right. So he believes in his heart that, like, God understands and God uh, loves in, you know, circumstantially. God understands context, basically. Um, But he doesn't believe that for himself. And I related to that so much. I think there's a lot of... Uh, my particular faith journey, which is like this idea that God loves everyone unconditionally except for me. Um, And so I think that was a really big moment for his character in this movie was going from thinking like everyone else should apostatize, but I can't because my example matters and kind of the inherent, um, like, of course he is a priest. People are deifying him. The messianic complex is a big theme in this movie as well, but like realizing that he is not this messianic figure that he has put himself up to be he needs to be able to apostatize the same as anybody else um to save these other people's lives um yeah and the only way he could really do that is if he heard it from god like god had god itself had to tell him no you're not any different like it's okay step on me I think that, I mean, for for me, this is why I think Andrew Garfield is a great casting in this is because the whole time he has this, I mean, wrong, this misconception (laughs) that he is Jesus, that like the suffering that he, not that he is Jesus, but that the suffering he's going through is, is Christ-like and that, you know, his, his uh, teaching is Christ-like and not, uh, not in a proud way, I I don't, I don't think, think, but just. I think definitely in a proud way, like. I think Sorry. This yes. Whole movie is yes. In a ego. proud way. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I guess not. Not in a. I. I don't think he thinks he's proud, and I don't think he's. He's prideful in a way that that we normally see, but it's definitely like a pride thing. Like he's a he's a priest, and that's a big deal. And um, I think one of the huge things that Liam Neeson's character says to him is, um, why do you equate your your suffering to Jesus? No, but nobody else who's all these people who are suffering are not, are not equating themselves to to Jesus in the, in, in their suffering. So why, why, why should you? Um, and I, th- I think that's, that's great. Like he keeps seeing these, um, he keeps re- kind of remembering, uh, a picture of Jesus that he saw and it looks like him. It's white Jesus. Right. <laughs> and that, I, I, I think that's, that to me is such a more interesting thing of like his, his, his humbling, um, in this situation of kind of him because throughout the film, he never sees himself as one of the followers of Christ, one of the Christians. He is always leading the Christians. Um, right. And and yet he's the one who I think is 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 telling people to apostatize, to um, to, you know, you know, denounce your faith because God knows what's in your heart. Whereas Adam Driver is one that's more um, about being with the people and being a part of the people and yet being a part of the faith he's very very against against apostatizing and very much thinks that that it's like this this is what you believe that your biggest testimony would be would be to die for your faith um so yeah that's i i just i just felt like that that was to me was more interesting than all of a sudden at the end hearing hearing god talk to him what's like saying the question of yes you would be willing to 
die for Jesus, but would you be willing to denounce your faith so that you could, like, would you denounce your faith for Jesus? Like, mm-hmm. saving those people would be a, uh, a a worthy thing to do, a divine thing to do, but the only way that you can do that is by denouncing your faith. Like, can denouncing your faith be an act of worship? Um, mm-hmm. Which I thought was a really compelling question that this movie put forth. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to talk about the the Kichichiro character. Um such a good character. Who this I mean, one, he's a fantastic actor. Um and two, just that character of someone who is constantly I guess constantly I I I wouldn't say like he's he's wronging the protagonist, but he's he's constantly a frustration because he he lives his life as I'm going to sin and then ask for forgiveness. I'm going to I'm going to do this because this is what I want. I want and then I'm just gonna come back and ask for forgiveness, which I'm not Catholic, but I I I feel that's I mean and just in talking to Catholics that's something something that that's a viewpoint a lot of people have is I can sin and then and then be asked for forgiveness and be fine. And I can kind of live my life how I want. And he's how he's living his life is he's choosing to live every time. Like that's which is not a bad thing. Like choosing to live is not bad. But the way that it's kind of portrayed and the way that he interacts with Andrew Garfield's character, I think, is amazing and just really, really an interesting um he I mean, he kind of plays the the uh, the Judas role in betraying him as well as the Peter role yeah, <laughs> in yeah. denying denying you know Christ three times and you know asking for forgiveness but and I I just I just think it's such an interesting way to way to tell that story and have that character in there. He's also the only character we see in this movie that does not completely like leave the his faith in word like even at the end of the film he's coming back and uh, Andrew Garfield is like no, you can't ask me that. Like, you can't call me that. And he's like, no, no, I still need forgiveness. Like, he still believes this stuff wholeheartedly um, and whole cloth even after Andrew Garfield is apostatized, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. But he's just, like, such a tragic character. Like, you feel for that guy so much. Like, he's so relatable. He's such a, like he's he's human and like all these characters are human but i i don't know i just like had a stronger impression left on me by Kichi, by kichichiro than i did by any of the other like priest characters or any other characters in the movie honestly mm-hmm. i was gonna say what, what did you think of the other the rest of the japanese cast oh i thought they were great i thought they did an incredible job i thought the uh inquisitor did an amazing job of um being like a uh just in general, all of the uh, Buddhist monks and all of the uh, people in power within that theocracy um, mm-hmm. were portrayed. God, this is just such an incredibly generous film. Like, it's <laughs> generous to the dogmatic people in this movie. It's generous to the pragmatic people, like, to those oppressors, to the oppressed people. Like, you see and kind of get where everyone is coming from. Like, no one there's torture going on but it still does everything it can to like make these people look like they're trying to be reasonable um see lawson i feel so differently from you in that regard i don't (laughs) feel like i knew where anyone was coming from in this movie okay i feel well i like go you go ahead i just feel like uh, this might be taking us off on a different topic but 
you know, all those questions y'all just talked about, about like faith and like what is in your heart versus what you do publicly and all those things. I think this film is trying to address those, but I think at the same time, and I think that this is what makes this a very complicated and hard to understand film for me because it tries to do a lot. At the same time, it's trying to address like the ego of man and the need to like be an authority, you know? And yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is maddening for me because I feel like it's a very evil need that, these characters all have um, from the big roles of like the ego of these, you know, Europeans trying to bring their religion into another country that, you know, and trying to invade this other country with their religion mm -hmm. from the ego of the people who are ruling this country who do not want any change and feel like they know best to even the small moments of like, and the way the Catholic religion is set up is that these priests are such a, are so above all these lay people and that yeah. all these people in these communities had such this high esteem for these strangers that just showed up into their um, midst only because they're like, you know, not Japanese and that they have like this different education and for no other reason. And, it was just so frustrating to see all the ways that people were um, willing to like put themselves in these power structures that I don't think were earned in any sense. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. I think this movie was like, I know that's a different, <laughs> you were like, I disagree with you Lawson and then say all the stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> but no, I think those are all incredibly good points. I think this movie is an incredible um, statement about, theocracy in general and just like how dangerous it is to have a state religion like all this torture and terrible stuff is happening and the you know whenever there's that uh metaphor that they throw out like you know if uh there's concubines and they're all fighting should we get rid of them like is that a wise thing to do and andrew garfield says no you should just be monogamous like our relationship or like our uh religion teaches and you should be monogamous with christianity um no one no one looked at celibacy as an option in that metaphor like maybe you shouldn't have right. any of them. maybe all right. is bad right <laughs> and just like the idea that like you know buddhism is such a peaceful and reflective faith system but there were still like whenever a faith system is combined with a power structure, is combined with a government, there are abuses and it stops being the core of what is good and what is uh, divine about that. And it starts being about power, like you're saying, Sandra, and about mm -hmm. ego and about maintaining that power and that ego. Because as much as the people who were in rule of that situation were like, you, you know, I don't care about you, you just can't disrupt us, you can't disrupt our power. Andrew Garfield was sitting in the exact same position. Like, look, I don't dislike you guys. I just need you to believe exactly what I believe. And it's, it, it's so frustrating um, to think about all the times throughout history that different um, religions have been made official, like state law and how perverse that has made those religions and how much pain and hardship that is uh, brought onto people. And 
I think of Buddhism as being like one of the most peaceful, you know, you think about like Tibetan monks and Tiananmen Square and all these different things. Like mm-hmm. There's these iconic images of people just like being martyrs for, uh, for peace. And then in this movie, it's like, no, you can also, even with a religion like that, have crusades and murder and torture and all this stuff. So for me, it was a real tale about religion and uh government and making sure those don't mix <laughs> there was not a single moment of this film that i felt joy and and or or hope or anything like of that nature yeah. and that's that's where i think the ending for me gets a little weird because we we have this extremely long epilogue yeah. of tell me about it after 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 he apostatizes um he then continues to live uh, in Japan and is, I guess, like looking for Christian artifacts from like people coming into Japan. Customs agent or something. Yeah, he's like running the running running customs on Christian stuff, and uh, then him and Liam Neeson's character, like he gets this hint from Liam Neeson's character that I guess Liam Neeson's character is still a Christian at heart, which is weird and goes against everything Liam Neeson did throughout the whole movie, and then we get the fact that maybe he was probably still a Christian the entire time as well. Like, I don't like to me, to me, all of that, that ending just kind of, it kind of muddied it up and didn't go with the, I think the rest of the theme, I think what, because again, I don't think Martin Scorsese had a specific thing to say at the end. I don't think he was wanting to say like, yeah, he was Christian all. I I do think that's what that is, what he was saying. I do think he was saying, yeah, he was Christian all along, but I don't think he was passing a judgment on it, which kind of annoyed me. Yeah. (laughs) I think leave it completely open or pick, pick your side. I felt like you would like the fact, I don't know if he was saying this or not. Actually, this is what I took from it. Yeah. Was that he and Liam Neeson, all those people, all those people those two they only had to denounce their faith in word that was it like no other part of their lives and of their practices other than trying to evangelize other people changed like I mean, they were still but, that's a very, but they're very stopping hard. christians from coming into japan yeah it's literally like, their job to stop only in word but evangelizing is like a major part of their faith of at least that type of like Catholic faith during that right. time period. Like that's like the whole point. And so it, it's not I, just like they denounced him publicly, but then everything else about their Christian life was the same. Like, I guess, but like if you compare the life that he was living at that point to like the way that like the, the peasants were living, like he was very different from being a Jesuit priest, but it wasn't different from, the way that the other people were, the other Christians who were like so welcoming and all of these things to him when he very first came, I felt like the way that he was living at that point was very similar to theirs. And oh, not at all, not at all. He would he wouldn't even pray for Kichiro. Uh, he wouldn't even pray Kichiro. for Kichiro, um there at the end in his own home in secret. Like that. That is. <laughs> I think the opposite of what the the poor right. villagers would have would have, would have done. Like they they were having mass in secret and they were practicing the faith in secret. And he right, took, but I think took steps to deny the faith. Right, but I think that was still an element of pride. I think that was him saying that if I can't 
if I have said this one time, then I can't, I don't know. I don't know. I just, what I thought Scorsese was trying to say anyway was a lot about Andrew Garfield's ego and about the transcendence of the divine um, and how every category you try to put it in, it just finds a way to uh, subvert that, uh, whether the way is big or small. And I love that this movie gave a lot of questions and I want to see it again. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like, even talking about it right now, I'm like, yeah, you're right. That that was different. I don't know why I got that. Imper- like, it makes me want to see it again and think through it yeah. again. Sure. Yeah. I just think putting the cross in his coffin at the end was kind of like a, nah, don't worry, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? like he was, yeah. You know, it's it's fine. He's got this kind of a situation. He's covered. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where it they didn't address what they actually should have addressed, which is what happens next. Like, if, if you want to tell that epilogue, if you want to tell that story, is what happens after you apostatize? Do uh, you yeah. turn your back on the religion and do kind of what he did? Or do you continue to, I guess, work in secret? Well, like to me, it just would have been a much more powerful movie if it had ended in that amazing shot when he does finally... Snap. Oh, agreed, agreed. Like that, that, yeah, that That's sure. where it should have ended. <laughs> and, and I feel like it would be a much shorter movie, which I think, <laughs> um, yeah. and I think it would have been more powerful, like of a message mm-hmm. versus yeah. that, that epilogue, I think really muddled the waters yeah. in a way that I a wasn't lot. think yeah. was, I didn't think was good. A lot. I think part of what I was trying to say was, I think there are still, you know, in, in the, uh, he was still helping and doing good for, the people like by helping teach language and science and astronomy and all these different things. Like instead of the arrogance of coming in and saying, not only do I have this religion, but I'm not going, he, there was no self-awareness about all the ways in which that religion was tied to the culture. Um, yeah. Which Cause he wouldn't, was, he wouldn't learn the culture. He wouldn't learn the language before. Right. And that's even in what Liam Neeson talked about with it. Like mm-hmm. they're not actually learning Christianity because whenever they think God, they think the sun, the arrogance of saying like the fact that they said the sun and not our understanding of God means that theirs is wrong and it's a perversion is like really indicative of the way that they were just like insanely tone deaf culturally. So mm-hmm. the act of uh, humility that came whenever he did apostatize and then was um, making the effort to actually understand the culture and like lend things where he could but also learn from them um, the evangelistic part of it which agreed very good point was like the whole thing for them at that point was no longer there but uh, there were some elements of the way that he lived his life I think that may have lined up with more of the message that he was preaching. I don't know. Does that make sense at all? Maybe not. Maybe not. That's okay. <laughs> I just I just think I just think you can't I mean to what he was doing, let's say he was just living a good life. He was he was being a good person in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That is not being a Christian. Right. And so then to throw a cross in at the end and say, you know, you know, it's cool he was a Christian the whole time kind of a thing was kind of like, ah, that's weird. (laughs) So, yeah, I think I think this is a movie everyone should have a lot of conversations about 
and I think we should talk about this more in the future for sure. Yeah, I I would too, and I would love like I love that we're we have this podcast, we have this forum to talk about this, but part of me is like, oh man, this may be the only conversation we have about silence that's like on the record. And I know my opinion of this movie is going to be different. <laughs> like, it's all going to evolve. So that's, I think, the highest praise I can give this movie is that it demands rewatching and can help you think and your opinion change. And uh, it's, like, extremely thought-provoking. And this is a movie if, I want to hear what other people have to think about it. Yeah. Like, it's, I, so I... Like, if you're listening to this, I would please, please, please let us know what your thoughts on this movie were, because everyone's going to have a different opinion based on their background, based on their views of religion and everything. And I just think that's so fascinating. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't know what our listenership is like, but I would love it, especially if we had um, the opinion of somebody who was completely atheist, somebody who was completely Buddhist, and somebody who's completely uh, a devout, like, orthodox christian that would be really cool but i don't know what our listenership breaks down for those demographics let's find out if everybody writes in we'll know <laughs> yeah well thank you guys both so much for having this conversation um and for seeing that very long and uh hard to call enjoyable film um <laughs> uh i i really value being able to talk with you guys about this kind of stuff so me too yeah um all right. Well, I think that wraps us up for today. Uh, let's go around and tell people where you can find us online. I'm Lucas Wright. You can find me on Twitter at Lucas and Stuff. I'm Sandra Amstutz. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, um, all the others at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And my name is Lawson. You can find me at Lawson West on all those social platforms. Uh, this episode in particular really lends itself to long-form uh, interaction. So if you want to send us an email, you can send us an email at feelingitpod at gmail.com. We would love to get those from you. Um, also, feel free to reach out on Twitter, at feelingitpod, um, or, yeah, any of our personal stuff. So thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Adios. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. <laughs>